Good morning, Catherine Jane. Welcome to Me After Work, You Don't Know What You Don't Know, our podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me, Celeste. I'm really excited to have you um, or to interview you today because I've known you probably for about six or 12 months, but every time we've chatted, we've had a great conversation and you've come to speed coaching and you've just got so much warmth and energy and you've got a great story. And I just thought, oh, would it be good for people um, to hear your story and for me to actually to dig, dig a bit deeper than I have before? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. So welcome. Um, you're a transformational coach and you specialise in people with eating disorders. Is that right? Um, not necessarily eating disorders specifically, but just anyone who has um, issues around their body image or their relationship with food, which can be it's that's on like a wide spectrum of um, where they might be with their body dissatisfaction. So it's not eat, just eating disorders alone, because I think okay. it affects so many of us, um, so many women, especially on a, on a large scale. Actually, the words eating disorder, I've never really thought about up until right this moment. What, what does that mean, disorder of eating? Um, I don't tend to use eating disorder. I tend to use disordered eating. Um, and I think it's any kind of um, unhealthy relationship with food that we might have that affects our behavior with food. So it quite often can um, stem from body dissatisfaction, which grows into um, a obsession with body, which therefore leads to us fixating and obsessing over um, our behaviors around food and also exercise as well is included in there. What happens, okay, so if body dissatisfaction is stage one, Mm. what's pre that so pre that i'd say it'd be good to have a look at um body image in general and what that means um so body image is made up of um four different areas so how we see our bodies which can often be quite different to how other people see our bodies and it might not necessarily be what our bodies actually look like. Um, then part of that is how we feel about our bodies. So are we satisfied or are we dissatisfied? Are we happy with our bodies or are we not? Um, and then comes in the, the cognitive. So what we think about our bodies, what we tell ourselves, what, what, what that self-talk um, is, is happening in, in our brains about, about our bodies. And then from that comes the behavior. So based on what we think, how we see um, our bodies, then how do, and how we feel about them, how do we then behave? So I think that all can be massively um, impacted by um, what's happened in your life. Have you been around um, people who have been maybe fat phobic people? Have they, um, has there been body shaming um, early on in your life? Also, the media is a massive impact to that as well because we're just constantly um, consumed with all these images of like perfect bodies and how our bodies should look like. So I think depending on how much exposure you've had to body shaming and, and, and how people have talked about and what their beliefs have been when you were younger 
and how much exposure you've had to media, then that can therefore steer how maybe dissatisfied you are with your body and where you fit in that, um, then the four aspects of, of the image of your body. like so much energy focused on the body like all this energy channeled to the body it's fascinating isn't it that it can be so encompassing like completely of your whole life yeah I totally get that Celeste and that's a really good point because I think what happens is we overvalue um, the emphasis that we put on our bodies and we attach our value to that. So if I'm not thin or pretty enough or this shape or that shape, then I can't be successful and I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not a good person. And, and people are putting the weight of that onto the physical mm -hmm. instead of looking within to, to who they are and what they bring and what their being is. Maybe talk, talk us a bit about your story because, um, you know, you've, you've had yourself a, a journey of 10 years or so to get to this point in your life where you're actually helping other people through their own personal transformation. So when did all this begin for you or that you're aware of actually? Yeah. Thanks Celeste. I'd, I'd say when I was a really little girl, I started to use food as a way to comfort myself. And I, I remember, I just have this image of me like sneaking Kit Kats and from somebody <laughs> I was just else's, thinking about Kit Kats when you were talking. Sneaking, sneaking Kit Kats from somebody else's fridge um, when I was like seven or something. And um, so, so when I was younger, I did used to use food in that way, in that comfort way. And then when I got to uh, a teenager, I had some emotional trauma around a relationship and that's when that, um, that use of food in that way became um, almost like accelerated and I really started to use that in, an, in more of an extreme way and I started to binge on food to, to uh, avoid my emotions, to avoid that trauma um, it was like almost the food and the binging was taking me outside of myself. So I didn't have to deal with what was going on in my life at the time. So when that happened, when I was a teenager, I did end up putting on quite a lot of weight with all that because I was, I was consuming quite a lot of, um, you know, low nutritional value, high calorie foods to, to do that. And then when I realized that I'd, put on this weight when I was um, in my late teens then at the same time it was like everyone around me just seemed to not be treating me very well like I was collecting a lot of evidence that me being this certain weight was um, associated with how they were treating me and then I decided to go on a diet I remember like when I was probably about 16 17 right I'm going on a diet and then that's when the extreme dieting started with me. And I would just go through periods of just starving myself for like a few days and just like eating like a salad, like one meal a day. Um, and I ended up losing a lot of weight, I remember. And then suddenly when I'd lost weight, people started treating me better or that's what I was picking up. That's the evidence that I was seeing. So it was almost like I, I told myself at that point, like, 
this needs to continue like we need to stay like this or we're not going to be able to get love people are going to reject us and that was like the story that i was telling myself and then i went to more extreme uh, methods when i developed bulimia um where i would binge and then purge and then i became uh, obsessed like body obsessed like we spoke about before and um there's also a lot of like shame and secrecy associated with that um which again breeds more uncomfortable emotions which i then wanted to avoid with more binging and then it just became like this cycle this snowballing cycle throughout my 20s and it was it was very very hard and my heart goes out to anybody who is having any kind of similar experience because it almost feels like you are alone and there is no one you can't possibly tell anybody else and i think having that shame and that secrecy is is a big part of the problem not being able to share that and just and, and express yourself and tell someone else what's going on for you so when i was able to meet somebody um later on in life who had similar um problems and similar issues as i'd had and I was able to start expressing myself about it, that's when I feel like there was almost like this light switched on that maybe my life doesn't have to be like this forever. And then I started to get help in my, in my later 20s and, and I saw someone and I then came traveling and then I um, explored even more um, when I came over here and, and discovered coaching. And when I discovered coaching, I think that, I, I thought that I was completely recovered from, from what had happened and, and I thought that I was totally okay and, and it wasn't a problem anymore. But then I realized more and more, I think it was untying the emotional side of things, um, which was probably the last thing that I did, which is, it, it's a very big, difficult area to tackle. Um, but then that's when I really started making some, some great progress and really wanted to share that with, with other women and help them as well. Thanks for sharing that. It's, it's, I actually have tears in my eyes. Like I can imagine like, um, you know, just going through adolescence in itself is an interesting time. One of my friends recently said like the brain of an adolescent completely changes and so you've got that. And then on top of that, there's all these body stuff happening and, um, and, and going into your twenties too, when it's potentially the best time of your life. Um, so what would you, when you look back, what would you, now that you have a, a different awareness level, what would you have done differently? Mm, I think I would have, um, spoken out and asked for help sooner I, I think that was the key because like I say that having that secrecy and shame keeps everything hidden and it almost makes it worse so I would have definitely reached out sooner um, and there, there is so many amazing groups and charities and um, people out there coaches who are willing to help and that it's they create such safe spaces where you really can feel a part of a community and validated and i didn't know that anything like that existed when i was in my 20s i had no idea 
So knowing what I know now, I would, I would reach out to, to one of those organizations or somebody to help me sooner for sure. At the time, did anyone around you think that there was, you were going through something? I think my mum had um, a suspicion, but we never really talked about it. I mean, our relationship was quite difficult. Um, it was quite turbulent, especially when I was a teenager and I was going through this emotional trauma, which I'm sure a lot of families and mothers and daughters can relate to. So I feel like we never had the emotional intimacy to be able to have that conversation and I would just avoid it, but then she wouldn't push it. So it was almost like it, it was all unsaid between us, but she kind of had an idea. And then I remember one of my boyfriends, um, when I was in my mid twenties, he found out about it and he was really trying to help me. And at the time, I just thought that he was trying to control me. And I, I didn't want to give away what I had. I was scared to let go of it and what that would mean and what that would mean about my body. And I just really wasn't ready to let it go when, when people did know about it. So it took me a little bit longer to, to want to talk about that and to want to change. What was it that you were thinking that you were going to be letting go of? Like mm. that... that it's like, what are, you, what are you trying to control or hold on yeah. to? Just the belief that I needed to be a certain size and I needed to be thin um, to have value and to get love and not to be rejected. So it was like when people were addressing the disorder and they were addressing my behavior, I, I almost felt like, well, if I get help and I go with these people and they, they help me with this, then maybe that me that has an implication on on that belief that I have, and maybe I'll um, you know end up putting on loads of weight, and then nobody will love me. And it was it was very very much tied in with with associating the behaviour with a strategy that I felt was working on some level. And you spoke about love. Do you, do you think a lot of it stems from that space of self love? Yeah, I think that I really didn't have any kind of connection with my own self-love for, for many years because I was never, I wasn't taught, I wasn't taught how to love myself and I wasn't really brought up in a, a loving family who um, recognised and encouraged in me that I was worthy just as I was. So it was almost like, like because I was never taught that, I was just finding any kind of way that I could, however extreme, to get that in my own way. Okay, so what advice would you give for parents who maybe suspect or do have a child um, that is going through something similar to what you went through? Like, how, how do they approach it or what, what are the signs or... I think that um, the signs are just um, a strange or out of the ordinary um, relationship with maybe meal times and um, maybe like sneaking off after meals or just having like 
just something that seems out of the ordinary around food and maybe not wanting starving themselves or maybe eating a lot at, at one point. So I, I'd say that that would be, I, I'd say that would be um, a sign. But then at the same time, I think that we can be very good at, at hiding those things from the, from the people around us because um, that's definitely something that I try to do. And in terms of approaching that, I would say, I'd say being as, as sensitive and validating and acknowledging of the child as possible. Because I think uh, my mum maybe approached it as like one hard conversation, like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, nothing. And I would just want to avoid it. So I think like developing that, um, that closeness and that, I said it before, but emotional intimacy with, with a child where you can actually talk to them about how they're feeling is, is so important um, because I know that that's something that I didn't have. Um, and just so they know that like whatever's going on with them, like that, that's where they're at and that's okay and they haven't done anything wrong and you're there for them. I think that's, that's so important because like I said before, I was very reluctant to get help for certain reasons because I didn't want um, to maybe leave where I was in my own head at that time and I wasn't ready. So even just opening that communication without necessarily saying, right, I'm going to take you here, you have to do this, just opening that dialogue with them, I'd say would be a great first step. Mm, yeah. And, and, and it sounds like a really challenging step for both parties when there's been no emotional intimacy and then you're trying to create it. And it's like, you know, so there'd be, you know, some stumbling blocks along the way to get there because it doesn't happen overnight, does it? Emotional intimacy, it takes, takes um, commitment. Yeah, from both parties, and just like you serious said. vulnerability. Mm. you know because um not just in the child but the parent yeah this is so true yeah and and and, and back i think i don't i don't know about you but when my parents were yeah they they didn't emotional intimacy wasn't even a phrase <laughs> you know it was just it it didn't exist so it's the the times that we live in cater or allow for greater emotional intimacy yeah, I totally hear your point there, Celeste. And I think that, you know, our parents were only taught by their parents who were taught by their parents. So that, that level of not having uh, or it not even being a thing has just been carried down by generation to generation. And now suddenly we are learning about that and we are growing as people. But like you say, that doesn't mean that our parents are, are going to get that unless they go and do, do the work themselves and want to do the work themselves. And I think sometimes um, it's frustrating. Like, for example, if I'm just thinking about my relationship with my mum, like I would love my mum to be able to, you know, have a coach and develop herself and, and, and get more connected with her own feelings. But I know that she will only do that if she wants to and she's ready to. And me telling her how great it is, is not going to lead to her um like developing yourself in that area so i think it can be quite frustrating but 
at the end of the day, you've got to accept that people are on their own journey and they're doing the best with what they can, that what they have. But I mean, just, I was just thinking then Celeste, just because I wanted to answer your question more fully, like there are lots of um, amazing support. I know the Butterfly Foundation in um, Australia, they do provide training for parents and um, for um, anyone who knows someone um, like a friend or family member who may be going through something. So there is training and help that you can get out there as well. Is, you know, with all this training and, and support out there, are more people having issues around this or less? Is it going up or going down or just staying as it is? In terms of the actual reported cases, you mean? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the cases are, are going up, but I think that that's because more people are having access to help and therefore that, that's getting reported and they're getting diagnosed. So it might not necessarily be that they're going up as much as it looks like, but it's just that people are feeling like they can reach mm. out more because there's more to reach out to now. And then I suppose just thinking about that, I always worry about the younger generation now because they're being born into social media just being absolutely everywhere and plastered all over the place. So I think that that could be contributing as well and it will be to increase increasing uh, body dissatisfaction and then potentially eating disorders as well. How do we separate ourselves from the body? You know, like... What's the prevention? Why, how do we start earlier and, and change our relationship and have a positive relationship so then something like this doesn't come or doesn't come as heavy or for how so long? Like, what is that? Yeah, I think having education in schools about this kind of thing would be absolutely so powerful for, for the younger generation to teach them that, you know, they're so much more than their body. And also I think what really um, hits home around the body is like not recognizing it necessarily for its physical, um, physical attributes, but more about what it does for us, like what the body actually does for us. Like we breathe, our heart beats, we can run over there, we can swim, like we can feel, we can feel pleasure, we feel all our emotions in there. So like um, at a young age, like um, building up that, that value around what the body actually does for us can then lead to us being in love with it because it's so freaking awesome, this place that we're, this vessel that we're living in. Um, and focusing on those things instead of just the, the physical side of things at a really early age. Yeah, that's great. That, that, that's really good. Um, how, you, you kind of just touched on it, but how have, have your beliefs changed? So I, I mentioned before, I, I had strong belief that, um, I had to be a certain way. I had to be thin to get love. And if I wasn't, then I would be rejected. And that was very strong within me from childhood. So I suppose on that one, um, I, I've just totally changed that around 
for knowing that like my body is not the thing that will bring me love. What will bring me love is myself and loving myself within and, and like filling up my own cup. Like, and it's almost like that the first belief is putting on um, the external, like the love and the rejection will come from the external but the new belief is knowing that internally I can give myself that, that love. Um, and how do you do that? Cause that's, that's beautiful. But how do we, what do we do? Yeah. Um, I know it seems like, you know, people talk about self love as in like, yeah, just love yourself. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> you just need to love yourself more. Mm. I think it takes practice and it is repetition and it takes work. It's not like you're just going to wake up and just be in love with yourself all the time. Um, but it's, it's, it's repeating, it's acknowledging yourself de like daily, um, picking up attributes of yourself or things that maybe have happened where you have um, used an inner attribute, like something inside of you instead of like necessarily like what you look like or what you've done, like what have you brought to that situation? Have you been creative or loving or compassionate, like consistently recognizing yourself for those inner attributes. But I just want to mention here as well, like that doesn't mean that we're just going to be this positive flowing ball of love and just always be in a good mood about ourselves. Um, because obviously we're human and you know, we, we all have negative thoughts. We're all still going to have like body freak out moments. It's not saying that doing this work is just totally going to be making our lives perfect. It's not going to be like that. But where the self-love comes in there is like when you are having a really shit day and you are really just talking to yourself in a negative way, maybe it's having the love and compassion for yourself in that moment and like mm -hmm. welcoming that in as part of you and being there for yourself. It, um, and, and to do that, I mean, I'm just trying to think specifically, it, it's like um, just the way that you talk to yourself, maybe things that you write down about yourself, maybe things that you could do for yourself that you had already in the bag. Like, I know that when I feel like shit, I'm just going to go in the bath and I'm going to cry my eyes out and I'm going to know that it's okay. And, and that, because that's something that makes me feel nice. So it's having that um, compassion, no, ma no matter wh which end of the spectrum that you are. And like I say, that takes practice and it's an ongoing journey. Especially when we can live in a world where there's, it's a bit tough love, you know, or get on with it or no rest days and, you know, this whole be strong. Like, um, and sometimes it can create a disconnect with your emotions because you think you have to be one way, but you're feeling another way. And just even getting your head around that, let alone finding a practice that will help you manage it and manage yourself, um, it, it, you can understand why teenagers particularly are so vulnerable because there's so many tools. And, you know, I think I'm older than you, but I've only learned a lot of these things in the last five years. Like even just being able to speak about your own feelings and and that's a big step well it was for me anyway like just to even ha understand how, how i'm feeling and why i'm feeling something 
Yeah, um, I so hear you, Celeste. And thanks for sharing that. And I think it rings true for so many of us. Like we're not, our emotions are not accepted. Uh, the more challenging ones or the negative ones, as people might call them, are not accepted. Like people don't want you to be angry or sad. It's like, cheer up, like, come on, like, let's think of the positive. And like you say, just like carry on and be strong. And, and that's when we suppress our emotions. And that's where something like food or maybe even drugs or alcohol can, can come in. And that's why we're so vulnerable, like you said, um, in our early years, in our teen years to those things, because we don't know how to feel our emotions. So we look for things to try and avoid them with. Um, so I think that that is a massive thing, again, that should be taught in schools. How yeah. emotion, all emotions are okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, and, and, and it does really start with us because if you can't accept, you know, or, or just be in the moment or just feel it, then anyone else around us, you know, how, how, how can they, they can't, they won't be able to accept it. Our expectations of others just are, are, are not relevant. Um, I'd love to hear some of the people that you, that you think are great role models, especially for teenagers? Or what does good role modeling look like? Like I think about, you know, how do, what is my behavior, particularly around my younger cousins or nieces and nephews? How can I kind of um, perpetuate good behavior so they can maybe look, like feel it? Yeah, I so hear you. So the one role model that I want to talk about is my my mentor Haley Latcham who is she runs a company called the Body Confidence Coach and um, I've been doing a lot of her programs in the last couple of years and she's so awesome and I think what stands out for her is um, how much she believes in in community and I think a role model um, a role model brings people together and includes everybody. Like this, this journey of loving our bodies or accepting our bodies is, is about us all, um, whatever body that, that being included and that body being okay and, and we're all kind of in it together. And I think to, to have that community and build that community and believe in that community is like an, in, a, inclusion for for younger people to know that like whatever they look like whatever their body is then they're included um so so i think that a role model should definitely um have that inclusion mindset and also as i was touched on before like really bringing out the positive attributes that others have that aren't the physical so the traits that we have inside of us. So instead of seeing someone and being like, oh my God, like I love your hair today or I love your dress. Cause I mean, I do that all the time. Yeah, but I like, do too. It, because, because I want, I feel good about them and I want to compliment them. I want to make them feel good. But moving the focus from the physical into, you know, your, your, your energy is really coming out of you today. You look really radiant today. Um, you know, like I love your determination today or your presence or something about their inner attributes and really con uh, commenting on, on those kind of things around young people can then help them like learn to value those things within themselves and other people and shift the focus off the physical. Oh, that's great. That's a good tip. 
because that we we get so used to that behavior like you have to really unlearn it and change the focus yeah definitely and it it takes just me being aware that I want to say that I like her dress or I want to say that I like her hair. So actually I'm going to pick out something else and compliment her in that way. You know, on a day-to-day um, basis for yourself, how has that changed? Like how, how do you live now versus having that mindset that you did when you were going through this? So now uh, what I want to talk about is, um, probably how I view food and exercise now um, as, as the first thing, because I always was coming from a place of, of punishment and a place of fear before. But now the way that I approach that, and it really just took like a shift in, in my mindset and what I wanted to move towards, which was really myself and like love for myself, is that those things are done like from a place of love. So I just love to just like make some amazing nutritious food and just like be like well into it and like celebrate it. And met, so shift the way that I'm thinking about food instead of it being like a punishment or what I can't have. It's like, look at all these great things that I can have and fuel my body with. But then at the same time, not judging food being like good or bad and saying I can't have that that's that's not allowed that's unhealthy because I think people can become very obsessed with like the clean eating and everything having to be perfect so it's like yeah I want to put nutritious food in my body on a daily basis but then it doesn't matter if I have a piece of cake it doesn't matter because it's just food at the end of the day. So shifting that association from good and bad food, I definitely say. And then with movement, I just do things that I fucking love to do now. Like instead of it being like gym, um, treadmill, like just go burn these how amount of calories you have to do this. It's more like I do dancing, I do yoga, I do things that just like light me up and I just feel great about them. So it changes that, again, that perspective on um, uh, why we're doing it. it. It makes it about love for ourselves instead of it being about this, this punishment or, or something to, to make up for what we've eaten. And then I think in general, um, I'm much more aware now of um, the way other people talk about their bodies and food and dieting and um, it's almost like I'm, I'm still working on being in those situations because, you know, everyone has a valid right to have the body image that they have. Like, it doesn't matter if you're overweight or underweight or whatever weight you are, you can still have body image, um, body image concerns about yourself because like we said before, it's not always... Uh, necessarily what you look like it's how you see that and how you feel about yourself so I'm, I'm still working on um, just being um, in in the world with with other people because at the same time I want to have boundaries around what I let in like I don't want to necessarily be around people that are talking about like fad diets and crazy uh, exercise re- regimes so I'm just still working on how I 
a post protecting that in my mind. your protecting your energy or yeah, protecting exactly. your yeah. So has it mean that, meant that the people that you allow in your life is different to what it used to be, or you're more uh, more more protective? Yeah, I, I'd say I have a lot stronger boundaries around the people that I spend my time and energy on. Whereas before, traditionally, through my life, I was always such a people pleaser and I would just let anybody in and I just wanted people to like me. But now it's much more about, um, you know, knowing what I need and, and knowing myself so I can... And you recognize like when you're with people and what your energy is like around those people. So it's having that, it's having that um, ability to just say no to people and to say no to things that, you know, aren't really aligned with, with what you want. Mm, yeah. When, when did you start becoming aligned with what you want? I'd say when I moved to Australia, I, um, which was three years ago, I was like a party person at that point. And again, the partying was much the same as the, the purpose of it was, was trying to avoid myself really and avoid my feelings. So I would, I would kind of hang around with, with people that, who were similar, who probably were doing it for similar reasons. So when I came to Australia, I started to discover, um, some spirituality and I started to meditate and I started to just dig deeper into to who I actually was and then when I discovered coaching then I went to even further levels on that so I suppose it's been a journey and I'm still discovering I don't I don't know <laughs> the whole answer oh for sure I'm still on that journey but I think it started for me then and has continued and, you know, I don't always get it right. Sometimes I get it wrong. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, are you enjoying it though? Oh, I am enjoying it so much. Yeah, it, it is really enjoyable. I think to, to have those, those realizations, to meet those people who have just amazing stories and inspire you as well. And also the main thing to actually... Um, to help people help other people transform their lives is just the most amazing feeling ever when, when clients have, have transformations. I mean, that is just the best. When you see your mum or speak to your mum, does she notice this change in you? Like, has mm. she? Um, I think it's a bit of a tricky one with my mum because as I described during this conversation, we have had our turbulent times. So, and, and I suppose because I've discovered so much of that being around my childhood and stuff, I still think there's probably work to do with me, me and my mum to be able to have that closer connection. Um, so, Mm. yeah I, what, okay, I can't really what about, answer that one yeah um what about um just even your old friends in like if you go back to the uk yeah like they of course they would notice this massive difference yeah definitely Celeste. and i think that sometimes when you're on this journey and you're doing this work and and you're wherever you are 
you don't actually recognize how much progress you've made and, and how far you've come. So that is definitely a great yardstick to just like realize like who I was back then when I was, you know, with these people many years ago and then the difference now and what I was talking about and what I was consuming and what I was, um, what I was all about back then is so different to now. Yeah, it's a, it's a real gift, isn't it, that you can change or, and, and life can change around you and, and you can just continue to enjoy it as it, as it changes and you change. It's, it's quite fascinating. Yeah, oh, totally, Celeste. If someone's going through this, whether they're 15 or 20 or 30 or, or, or whatever it is, this body image stuff, what can you tell them? that will make them, <clears throat> not make them, but help them to, to see that there could be something different or better or something for them. You know, that, that this, this moment here doesn't have to be forever. Like there's a, there's a the grass is greener. Yeah. I, I would say the first thing that's coming to mind is... Um, to research and look out there of how many women have transformed their relationship and how many stories there are, just like mine, so many of women who've had this challenging relationship um, with their bodies, um, been involved with disorders eating, and then managed to come through the other side. Like there's so many inspirational stories out there. So I think to read that, to read like where somebody was to watch somebody talk about it where somebody was and where they are now can really give you a lot of hope and faith that you can have that in your life too because somebody else has as well mm. and then again i'd say just to to add to that um just to know that it is we can empower ourselves to change because it, it is all been programmed in our minds, all this body image stuff, it's been programmed in us and we have the power to change that, scramble that, make some different choices, have different thoughts. So it is possible. It is possible. People have done it. You can do it. What, what, I don't want to go too far ahead, but you know, what's, what are you looking forward to as far as your growth in the future? So I am really looking forward to just growing and growing the, the community of women that can be involved in this and, and making uh, an impact on a global scale and just spreading this message because I feel like the more women can... Um, can embody this message themselves and get on the journey and get on the path and be involved with all the supportive, amazing women that are helping each other, then they then want to help others. And it's just all this massive ripple effect. So to just to go forward and be part of this ripple effect and, and impact more people's lives so they can impact other people's lives. And then just something we touched on before to be able to get this information and this work into schools on some level, that would be the absolute dream. And to be able to help like 
little girls, little children, um, so they don't have to go through this in the same way. Like that would be the icing on the cake. Mm, that's great, Catherine. Thank you so much. Is there, is, is there anything else you want to say before we go? Just that, you know, anyone listening to this, um, and I touched on it before, but that, that it's so possible to to create a new experience and, and to change like it is so possible and you've got everything that you need within you to do that and it all comes down to you finding that magic within yourself and and love within yourself and there's just so many people out there so many people that are, are there to help and support you so you're not alone Actually, I should ask you, how do you support what's like, maybe just speak about your program that you do or your coaching that you do to help um, people that are, are seeking help? Yeah. So at the moment, I'm um, helping clients uh, with the Build Your Body Confidence program, which is an online self-paced program. Um, and it's filled with um, the most amazing content about stripping down um and redefining um yourself and then building yourself back up and stepping into your power it's absolutely beautiful so i'm offering um as part of the program coaching and mentoring with me as as um the individual goes through the program um, so it's fully supported and there's activities and opportunities for mentoring and as part of that, you'll be part of my community of, of women as well. And I just think it's, it's such um, a holistic approach with lots of different opportunities for coaching, mentoring, learning. Um, it just allows somebody to really have that full rounded experience to, to move through their own journey. And you can be in the community as well, like yes yeah the community yeah you can be part of the community and that's so beautiful because people are sharing and they're expressing how they are and where, they, where they're at and then other women are supporting them and that's like much part of the gold like i spoke about today okay you'll have to send me the link for that yes i'll send you the link and you can put it in the show notes <laughs> yes great catherine thanks so much for joining us today it's been wonderful Thank you, Celeste. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's awesome to talk to you. Thank you so much. You're a sweetheart. Okay. Thank you.